Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. A couple quick reminders before we get going. On Wednesday night, 6.30, we have men's group, women's group, youth group. 6.30 Wednesday. Uh, get here if possible. We need it. You need it. I need it. We all need it. You need as much word as you can get. And getting it in you uh, is important. Amen? Two amens and a couple head nods. Y'all look, y'all sound excited. All right. Uh, on Sunday morning, we also have Common Grounds, which starts at 930. You might want to call it Sunday School, but we call it Common Grounds because um, everybody in there uh, has either been through something, going through something, or you're going to go through something. And uh, you can find some common ground with somebody else and uh, share the word and uh, make some friends. Amen. You need a friend in Jesus. Uh, obviously, Jesus being your friend, but you need, you can have a friend in going hunting or going fishing, going to the ball game, but you need a friend in Jesus. In other words, you need some friends uh, here at church that you can share talk about Jesus with. Um, it's important. It starts at 9.30. You know what that means? You're going to have to get that booty out of the bed. Uh, I mean, it's only another hour. I mean, come on. You can do it. And then, uh, I don't mention this often, but people ask, so I'm just going to, while we're doing... Uh, some announcements here. People say, well, where do you tithe? How do you tithe? Well, there's drop boxes on the back wall. There's envelopes. And also you can go online, uh, tithe, give, uh, whatever you want to do. So that's, uh, that's how you do it. So let's get into the Word, shall we? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much this morning. Thank you so much. We've got questions and we're looking to you for the answer. We know you've got the answer. And we just thank you for utterance this morning and just revelation. Just open our eyes to see the real Jesus, not the religious Jesus, but the real Jesus. And we just thank you for it in advance. Our ears are open. We're ready to hear. Our hearts are ready to receive. And we're going to leave out and go home better than we came in. And it's all because of you and because of your word. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, we've been talking about seeking the Lord and, um, you know, last couple of weeks talking about um, seeking the kingdom of God, seeking the kingdom. Well, where is the kingdom and what is the kingdom? And um, so we've been talking about the kingdom. We talked about the kingdom last week and a lot of people have opinions and uh, beliefs about the kingdom, but that it doesn't line up with Scripture. So for something to be scriptural, what do you need to go with it? You need a scripture to go with it. So we put scriptures to go with it so you can um, see that it's not just something I'm pulling out of the air, but it's the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So we've ordered some notebooks. I haven't made it yet. I'm a little late on that, but um, there are going to be some little seven-mile notebooks. And we ordered them. You can have one or two or three, or ever how many you need. But the reason we've got them is so you can... Write down the scriptures on Sunday. There's no way you can remember all that. But if you write it down and you can take it home with you, you can check it out later and uh, study a little bit. No different than being in school and having homework. Um, 
But this should be homework you enjoy, though. <laughs> a little different. But uh, and for you nerds that actually like homework and whatever, <laughs> I'm just teasing. So let's get in uh, Deuteronomy. Um, that's kind of scripture we've started out with uh, last couple two three weeks. So Deuteronomy 30th chapter 15th verse it says, "See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. You see two choices: life and good, death and evil." Life and good and death and evil. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if, but if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and you're drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. And he says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses. Now, words, there's some witnesses today. He's the judge and we've got some witnesses both on heaven and on earth. He said, I've set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. There he says it again, life and death. Life and good, death and evil, uh, blessings or cursings. He, sa- he tells us which one to choose. He says, therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now you see two different choices there, two very different lives. Amen? One's life, one's death, one's blessing, one's cursing, one's good, and one's evil. But, but he, he puts it before them and he says, choose this one. But it's totally their choice. It's if you choose this one, this will be the result of it. And if you choose this one, this will be the result of it. Do you see that in the scripture? I hope so. It's a choice. It's a choice. And this, this may seem, seem simple. That's okay. Simple's fine. Narrow's fine. Because narrow's the way. Narrow, there's a narrow road, and that leads to. No, but that's you're close to heaven. But there's a broad way that leads to destruction. And the Bible says it's a crowded highway. At I-65 malfunction junction is nothing compared to the, this broad way he's talking about. So narrow is okay, but this really isn't narrow. I, in fact, it's actually very deep, very, walled, uh, very wide, and very broad. Choose life. It's a choice. God is all good. Period. He's all good. He's none evil. He's good and He's not evil. You see evil things? That's not from God. You have evil thoughts? Not from God. God's good. He's not evil. He can't be good and evil. He can't tell a lie because He's truth. Therefore, He can't be evil because He's good. Amen? And we talked about several things last week. About people say God's sovereign, God's in control, it's His will, it's His plan, it's His purpose, and no scripture to back it up, it's just 
something the man's come up with, and, and it's taught in churches. It's a, a religion, a religious thing, but um, God's in control. God's in control. We covered that last week, and I don't want to backtrack and go over it all again. If you miss it, you need to go check it out. We've got a lot of good feedback. Say, so, hey, that really helped me a lot, and I, 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 it, it helped me. It helps everybody. The Word always helps you. But for God to be in control, He's in control of what? He's in control of everything. Well, no, He's not. He's not in control of what you eat for breakfast or choices you make. You're in control of that. But how much evil is in this world? There's so much evil in the world that when somebody does something good, it jumps out at you. You know? It's like, man, thank you for being honest. Because it's so rare. I mean, the cashier gives you too much money and you say, hey, that's too much money. You give it back to her. People are like, whoa, this guy's honest. It's, it's a miracle. Why? Because there's so much evil in the world. It's full of evil. So to say that God's in control of everything, but we're in a world that's full of evil, does that even make any sense? Is He in control of all this evil that's going on? Why no. Mankind, men, you and I, we're in control. That's the problem. People say God's got a plan. He certainly does have a plan, but He will allow you to do stuff that's not a part of His plan. It's not a part of His plan. It's not a part of His plan. If I just say, you know what, I'm tired of being a father, I'm tired of being a husband, I'm tired of being a pastor, and I just get my truck and drive down the road and disappear and go move off to California and start me a new life there, I can do that. Is that God's plan? No. That's a bad choice. And um, God's will. Is that God's will? He allows you to do things all the time. It's not, not His will. You know, people go to hell every day. I think there's two people that die every second, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Y'all know? A couple of people die a second uh, worldwide. A lot of those people go to hell. Is that God's will? No, it's His will that none shall perish will have everlasting life. That's why He sent Jesus Christ to hang on the cross for us and die for us so that we would not have to go to hell, but we could go to heaven. But people choose to go to hell all the time. Does God send you to hell? No, He's never sent anybody to hell. He's never sent one person to hell. But He's allowed people to go to hell because of choices. Of choices. Of choices. Amen? But... um. God has probably been wrong, more wrongfully accused and maligned than anybody else ever on the planet. He gets accused for everything. Somebody, somebody dies. Well, never know God's plan. Had, that was his plan for them. Just don't think it was. They were 30 years old and had two little babies and a wife. and Just don't think so. Don't think that's God's plan because His plan says uh, that he's, He had come to give us life and give it more abundantly. And with long life that He would satisfy. And that doesn't line up with His plan. We live in an evil world, a fallen world, sin. The wages of sin are death. And um, we, we live here. This is just temporary. Thank goodness. In Luke, the sixth chapter... Um, we'll be there in just a moment but 
I have a friend of mine, and my friend got to where he couldn't see very well. Just everything was blurry to him. And he does construction work, and what he does more than anything is he runs crown molding and the trim work. And he's very, very good at it, very good at it. And if you've ever done any work like that, you know that being able to see your tape measure is very important. I mean, you need to see it uh, at least to the 16th, if not more, if not to the 32nd or even the 64th. You need to be able to see it to do this type of work he does. So he, he got to where he couldn't see it, and he had to get help. Well, he goes to the eye doctor, and they try this, nothing don't help, and they try that, and it doesn't help, try several things. Anyway, long story short, he, he finally finds this, this eye doctor, and uh, they do all these tests on him, and uh, the younger people that are working there, I don't know if you call them nurses at the eye doctor place or not, but anyway, the, the ones that I'm looking up here at Amy because she's an eye doctor, but the, the younger people are like, did it change? And he's like, no. Though it had to change because they did something, whatever he was looking at or looking through, it, it should have changed. And he said, no, it didn't change. That's impossible. And they, he said, well, let me just say it this way. It's different, but it didn't change. In other words, I still can't see it. I can tell that you changed something, but I still can't see it. Anyway, the doctor said, well, here's, here's what we found out, that it's something that's... Uh, perhaps hereditary or something, and it you know, got passed down. His daddy didn't have it. Maybe his granddad did or something like that. But he said, here's what it's like. It's like looking through a glass and taking some cellophane and wrapping about three times around it. That's what you're looking through. And it's got a name. I don't know what it is, and that's not even important. The name's not, but seeing clearly. So that what they said was, it's not going to be fun there, buddy. But we're going to go in there and we're going to scrape all that off your eye down to the cornea. And uh, then this new thing's going to grow over it. Whatever that new thing is. And um, you'll be good to go. But it's going to have to be scraped off. And it's, it's not going to be pleasant. Well, I look at this like that as well. Things you've been hearing your entire life about God's plan and God's purpose and God's sovereign and God did it and you, you believe it because that's what you've been taught. But then all of a sudden, we start scraping some of that stuff off so you can see the real Jesus and the real God and the real kingdom. Amen? So I say, it might be a little painful because you're like, my grandma told me that. And she's 90. Well, who told her? Well, her grandma her granddad, some preacher from 1850s. Well, you know what? They're wrong. If it doesn't line up with this word, they're wrong. Period. Don't care how many colleges and how many degrees, they're wrong. You compare everything to this word right here. Everything to the word. Amen? And you've got to be awake to hear the word or you don't even know what you're comparing to, so... Wake up. I'm going to have to start charging for all this snooze time. In Luke, so let, let, what I'm saying is let's, let's be open-minded. Don't, uh, 
You can argue with a person, but you can't argue with the Word. So that's my opinion. Well, you don't get an opinion. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then you believe what He tells you to believe. So let's go to Luke 6, chapter 43rd verse. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, and they don't gather grapes from a bramble bush. Whatever that is. A good man out of good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So here's what I want you to see. We'll go back to the 43rd verse. A good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. Is God good? So good fruit will come from a good tree. Is He a good God? Good things will come from a good, good God. Now, you, can, you can't say bad things come from a good God. We read it there in, in Deuteronomy. It's choose one or the other, good or bad. God doesn't say I'm a good God and then turn around and do evil things. Good comes from good and bad comes from bad. Can we agree on that? Amen. And religion and, and just people that come up with their own ideas like I was mentioning earlier, teach people wrong and then uh, that keeps people away and it keeps people confused and just in fear. Doubt, worry, and uh, just a lot of uncertainty. And that's not God. But you know, Satan's sneaky. He's sneaky. He's sneaky. And see, when the gospel gets perverted and these wrong ideas get filled into a church, it's not coming from the outside. It's not from the world. It comes from the pulpit. And it comes from praise and worship, singing Songs that aren't scripture. And it comes from Sunday school teachers and children's church teachers and youth teachers. It, come, it comes from the inside. So he wants to get into the inside to pervert the gospel. So the, now we're preaching a, uh, a message that doesn't line up with the word. You say, that's, boy, gravy for him. Gravy. Bring the biscuits. I got the gravy. We don't want him in the pulpit. We want to preach uh, the word. I want you to hear the Word. I want you to see the Word. I want you to get the, the real uh, Jesus, not the religious one. Amen? Amen? But He wants to come on the inside. You think about it. Look at it. Look at this country we live in. Do you think Jesus, do you think God is residing in the White House? Okay, He's not. He's, standing, he's been standing out there at the door knocking for a while. But nobody's let him in. And the further we get from God, you know what happens? The worse it'll get. Think it's going to get better? Not till somebody lets God in. The more we cut him out of and remove him from, the worse it gets. Because the further you get from God, the worse it gets. Amen. I mean, people are, I don't know why people are so hesitant to talk about it. It's not talking about politics, it's just talking about right and wrong, truth and lies, good and evil. The reality is we need him in government. We need him in uh, the mayor's office and the government's office. We need him in uh, the leaders of the uh, city, state, and country. We need him. They need him. We all need him. Amen. So you can just take a look at this country or other countries that have gone the wrong direction. Well, where did it start with? No Jesus. 
No Jesus. In Zechariah, the first chapter, third verse is, Therefore to say to them, He's telling them what to tell the people. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. If you come back to me, I'm coming for you. If you forsake me, I'm forsaking you. But if you'll come back to me, I'm, I'm ready. Here I am. And so it's a big if. If you do, then I will. If. If you do. And the title of today's sermon is this. If. There's a whole lot of ifs. If you do it or if you don't. In Psalms, the 100th Psalm in the 5th chapter, 5th verse. For the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. For the Lord is good. His Lord's good. You know how many times that's in the Bible? Lots of times. I could quote, the Lord is good 30 times, 40, 50 times, and I'm quoting 30, 40, 50 different scriptures because the Lord's good. The Bible's full of it. Never any time in the Bible you ever see a scripture that says the Lord's evil. The Lord's bad. Or He's not a merciful God. And His grace, it does not abound. It says He's good. He's a merciful God. His grace does abound. Amen? Amen. We serve a good God. We serve a good God. In Psalms 115th chapter, while you're right there, just flip a couple pages over. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth He has given to the children of men. There's a really big difference between heaven and earth, isn't there? There's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no fussing, no fighting, no divorce, no tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, no COVID. In heaven, it's peace. It's, it's wonderful. The temperature is on 65 degrees year round. Whatever it is that you like, it, it's good. But on earth, is it like that? There's a lot of evil, isn't there? A lot of sickness, a lot of disease, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. You know, what the, you know what the difference is? We see right here what the difference is. Earth's been given to man. So earth, men are in control. Heaven, God's in control. And where you see God in control, you see good. And where you see men in control, you see a lot of bad. It explains a lot. Men are in control. We do stupid things. We make mistakes that affect us and affect those around us. So to say God's in control of everything. No, actually the scripture right here says that He's given uh, earth to us, to, uh, to, to man. Started with Adam and Eve. They messed it up right out of the gate. But if they hadn't, have, you would have or I would have. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So one thing I want to cover quickly is when bad things do happen, People will say from pulpits. People will say it on Facebook. People will say it uh, all, wherever. God's judging them. Bunch of sinners. A tornado came through there and wiped the whole city out. Killed all those people. That one little baby. God's judgment. That's why that storm hit and that a hurricane came in there and wiped them out because of God's judgment. He's judging them. God's judging them. So God is sending tragic things to wipe out and kill a lot of innocent people because He's judging uh, some of the bad ones. I guess the good ones are at the wrong place at the wrong time. Negative. That's just not even close to true. Read your Bible. Jesus hung on the cross 
You know where judgment, your judgment was placed? On Him. Sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. So did God change His mind and go, well, I know that you are born again and the blood of Jesus covered your sins and your sins are cast as far as the east is from west. And His scripture even says, your lawless deeds I will remember no more. But... I've changed my mind. I remember them now and you're getting judged. I'm sending a storm to wipe out the whole city. Innocent, guilty, all y'all dying. It's just, it's just not true. Will there be judgment? Judgment day, will we all be judged? Yes, but it's not like people think. People think God's going to bring you in one at a time and He's going to bring up every sin you ever committed from when you started at five years old. Stole that sucker from the gas station. No, that's not the way it is. How can an innocent person be judged? Because the blood of Jesus made you innocent. There will be a judging. It's going to be like this for those that are born again. What would you do with what I gave you? I gave you eternal life. I gave you power and authority. I gave you my name to use. I gave you a gift. I gave you a calling. I, I gave you a favor and blessings and all these things. What would you do with it? Now for an unrighteous person, a person that's not saved, there is a different, that's a different judgment. You're going to get judged and you're going to get a sentence. Hell's not the same for everybody. And I don't even want to get over into that. It's a different sermon. But to say a good man who did nothing but good to help people, kind, generous, but he just never could wrap his mind around Jesus being the Savior, I just, just, can't, I just don't get it. Well, he's going to hell. Because Jesus is the only way there. I don't even care what Whoopi Goldberg says. Jesus is the only way. Or uh, Oprah, yeah. Uh, Whoopi just said that, you know, that, uh, forget it. Anyway, just to say that that man would get the same sentence as Hitler, not the case. Not the case. Everybody's in hell. Hitler's just having the worst time. He's probably in a cell right now with a bunch of big old demons and they're all uh, taking turns raping him one after the other. Oh my uh, that's, just, that's just opinion. I can't prove it with the Bible. But that is my opinion. He's not having a lot of fun. It's, it's rough on him. Nobody's having fun. But his is even worse. Amen. <laughs> all right. Well, just keeping it real. So, um, Jesus was judged... So let's look at it this way. Elijah, he calls out those prophets of Baal. He says, we're going to have a showdown. We went over this last week, if y'all remember. And he dug the trench, he put the wood, put the rocks, poured the water in it. And then fire came down from heaven, burned it all up, licked up the water. Wasn't nothing left but dust, okay? That was a sacrifice that's put out there. The, the meat, the animal, the sacrifice. And God's, the fire, which is representing the judgment, consumed every bit of it. Consumed all of it. Nothing left. But then Jesus goes to the cross. Judgment came. But the difference is the judgment didn't consume Jesus. Jesus consumed the judgment. For your sins and for my sins. Amen. So God is not judging you and sending a storm or sending sickness to teach you a lesson or to judge you for your sins. Now I'll tell you this. Sin does attract storms and sin does attract sickness. Absolutely it does. In Luke, and Jesus addresses this in Luke 13th chapter, He says, There were present at the season 
at that season, some who told uh, him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? He says, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you uh, will all likewise perish. What happens was these Galileans go in the temple and they had their animal sacrifices, whether it's a sheep or a goat, an auction or whatever it is, to go before the Lord. And Pilate, don't know why, Scripture doesn't tell us, sends soldiers in there with swords and just slaughters them. And now all their blood's mixed with their sacrifice, the blood of their sacrifice, which is, you're talking about defiling the temple. But that's what Pilate did to these. So Jesus says, was it because they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? And he says, no, no. But unless you repent, you all likewise will perish. So repentance, uh, we'll get into that in a moment, but that's important. And then Jesus says, or the 18 who were at the tower, tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? So this tower falls, it kills 18 men, perhaps somebody's child. And he says, do you think they were the worst sinners in Jerusalem and that's why it fell on them? And he says, no. I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. That means there's some protection in repentance. Amen. See, we need to be under the umbrella because if you get out from under the umbrella, you get wet. And you can, you can choose bad and you can choose evil and you can get out from under the umbrella. But what I'm saying is to repent and serve the Lord and stay under the umbrella. Stay under the umbrella. Praise the Lord. Does that mean that every time something happens, somebody got sick? Well, I guess they must have sinned and got out from under the umbrella. <laughs> Pastor's talking about not true. If I got sick the other day as a result of my terrible sins, then I can tell you there's a lot of people in this room that you're in some serious trouble. Just not the case. I look at that and I think about it and I've thought about it and I've thought about it and I've thought about it. I know we live in a fallen world. I know sickness is real, but I've thought about how when COVID very first came around, I would speak against COVID every day of my life and I'd say, I'm not getting it. If it touches me, any germs touch, they're going to die on the spot. And over a period of time, I really just quit because I don't know, just quit. It ain't going to get me. I didn't speak. I didn't say anything. I think that's important. When you're praying in the morning and I'm going out, I may come around, somebody's got some flu, but Lord, when those flu germs get on me, they're going to drop and they're going to die. Kind of like when the lepers touched Jesus, Jesus didn't get leprosy, but the lepers got what Jesus had, which was healing. Same thing can apply to you and me. Leprosy can touch you and it can die. And so uh, I blame nobody but myself. I don't think that uh, you can think things, but those things need to come out of your mouth. You need to speak. You need to speak to it. Amen. That's a whole other sermon. We got to. We got to go. We got to go quick. We got too much ground to cover, and um, we're about out of time already. Um, where are we at here? Oh yeah. So Jesus starts talking about this tree. Immediately after, he said, uh, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and he found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. He said, cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? 
But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. In other words, give me an opportunity to give it some fertilizer. And if it bears fruit, uh, well. But if not, after that, then you can cut it down. You know what that fertilizer is? That fertilizer is prayer. That fertilizer is intercession. That's what the man's saying to do. And Jesus is saying, Repent. That's important. Because repentance is important. And the prayer and the intercession are things that uh, we need to, you know, uh, add to our life because that's what's going to change things. You can keep living the same life and know you need to repent. And you can keep living a life with no prayer, no intercession. But Jesus said, no, repent, pray, intercede. Things change. Amen. Absolutely. That dog couldn't pray. Paula had to intercede for the dog. She prayed. The dog came home. People are sick in the hospital. They can't pray for themselves. Some of them are unconscious. Intercession. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Whether you agree or not, it's the truth. In James, the fifth chapter, the 16th verse, he says this. He says, Confess your trespasses one to another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And some other translation says, gets or brings much results. Much results. The fervent prayer, effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Who's a righteous man? You and I. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you're a righteous man. You are a prisoner of righteousness. That's you. That's your new title. That's the new you, the new creation. Prisoner of righteousness. So, your prayers are powerful. Amen? Um, God, if you, if, you, if, you, if you look at this right here, God is limited by our prayer life. He's limited by our prayer life. Let's keep reading. 17th verse. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And heaven, uh, and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. You see a man right here that prayed and things happened. Things changed because of his prayer. Well, how did him pray and change the weather? If God's in control of everything and God's in control of the rain and the drought and all the storms, then wouldn't this be against God's will for Him to pray that the weather be changed? And if God is in control of the weather, I sure wish He'd tweak it a little bit. Because it gets hot and it gets cold and the humidity. You'd think if He was in control, He'd adjust that thing for us just a little bit. You know what? He's just wanting to make, it's part, of, it's part of his judgment. He makes it 100 degrees, high humidity judging us because of all of our sins. Now, you know when that heat came? When Adam and Eve sinned? And the world ever since then, you know what it's doing? It's groaning and it's deteriorating and it's slowly, slowly self-destructing. No different than you and I when we get old. Elijah uh, killed those 450 prophets there after he had that showdown when the fire came. I was talking about uh, just a moment ago. And then he ran. And why did he run? Uh, 
Jezebel says she's going to kill him. Well, Elijah got the wrong thought in his head. He believed the wrong thing and he ran. He's under a tree and he's crying out to God, just kill me, I'm the only prophet left. And, uh, you know, then he's in the cave and God wasn't in any of the storms. He was in the, in the still small voice in the whisper. And, um, and then pro- Elijah prays for this rain, like the scripture we just read. But you just, what I want you to see there is, Something happened when he prayed. Something happened when he prayed. And if you think you're just going to sit back in life and not pray and everything's just going to work out rosy and God's just in control and He's just, he's just orchestrating everything in your life and all you got to do is just pull the recliner back and sit there and watch uh, football the rest of your life and God's just going to take care of everything, you're sadly mistaken. There has to be prayer. It's like we read, Repentance. And he says, let me fertilize it. Repent, fertilize, pray, intercede. Amen. God's got to be in it. You see these bad things happen. and You see these tragedies that happen. I can tell you right now, God's not in it. He's not in it because He's a good God. He's not a bad God. He's not an evil God. In fact, most of the time, He's nowhere even around it. Why? He's standing at the door knocking and nobody's let him in. In Revelations, the third chapter, 20th verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Remember last week and I said about kicking the door in? Well, Jesus is not kicking the door in. He's just knocking at the door waiting to be invited in. So when He's not invited into your life and He's not invited into your marriage, He's not invited into your finances or your work decisions, or He's not, just not invited into your day, your week, your month, your year, but then these things happen, how in the world can we blame it on God and say, well, God, you did it, or why didn't you do it when He stood at the door knocking? He hadn't even been, He's nowhere around it. He's just standing out there knocking. And it's up to us to open the door and invite Him in. Praise the Lord. God's limited by us. He's limited by our prayer life. And you've got to open the door and you've got to ask Him faith. And in James, we read there in 5.16. Let me back up to it uh, one more time. He says, Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Now why would He tell us to pray for one another if uh, it wasn't His will? He wants us to pray for one another. Why? So that you may be healed. Praise the Lord. It's what the Scripture tells us. You pray and you see a difference. And, and somebody says, well, um, we're going to pray for you. And we're, you're in the hospital. Or you're sick. Wherever you're at. And you're, you're, you know, you're struggling. You've got to struggle. Whether it's sickness. Whatever it is. And they say, well, just pray, Lord, that your will be done in this situation. Amen. What is His will? Healing is His will. But when it's prayed like that, it's like, well, it's not going to be my fault. There's zero faith required in that prayer. When you say, God, let Your will be done. So that means whatever happens, it's on God. By all means, we don't want to put any responsibility on us. No. That's a weak, wimpy, worthless prayer. You need to look in the Word of God what His will is concerning healing. Then pray that prayer. Stand on that word. Stand on those scriptures. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. Now, if it was His will 
for you to die of a sickness. And you say, well, it's God's will. Well, why are we at the doctor trying to get healed? We're going to get the doctor out of God's will. The poor old nurse don't even know, but she's out of the will of God. We're praying for healing, but it's not God's will. It's His will for you to die. So you're, you're praying against God's will also. You see how silly these things are? But it happens every single day. It happened just today on Facebook. I read one because I was looking at something on there and somebody said, God's plan about somebody that passed. Somebody that passed, left behind their family and children. I never know God's plan. Well, I can tell you that wasn't it. That goes against everything the Word of God says. God's getting accused, wrongfully accused and maligned. I, I, I'm, I'm personally sick of it. You hear people talking like that, you need to speak up. I'm not saying get on Facebook and, and speak up because, I mean, come on now. <laughs> you need to do these things in person. And I am not talking about arguing. There's no argument. It's just what this Word says. Here's what it says. Let me open it up and show you right here. Now you open it up and show me what you're saying because you won't find it. Pray and see a difference. And um, let's look at these really quick. I won't hit, hit you with a few right here. Remember the title is If. If. If, okay? In Romans, the 10th chapter, the 8th verse. But what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. Now, this is not the direction I'm going, but uh, there was a, a movement when I was a baby called the Word of Faith. There's a, there's a whole, uh, I guess, belief of, called the Word of Faith. Well, what else would you preach? The Word of Doubt? <laughs> the Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of Doubt which we preach. I mean, is there anything else to preach but the word of faith? I mean, I, I mean I'm not talking about other uh, ministries. I'm just talking about what the word of God says. We preach the word of faith. It's kind of like, are y'all full gospel? No, we just half gospel. <laughs> we're working on it. We're like almost three-quarter gospel. No, yeah, we're full gospel. You know what that means? I believe the full gospel. What else is there? Does that mean that I'm fixing to start doing car wheels and jumping pews and some swinging some flags? Well, if you want to do that, go for it. But that's not what full gospel means. There's nuts in everything. <laughs> wow. Anyway, so here we go. Uh, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God will raise Him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice there, that if you confess with your mouth, there's an if associated with it. You're just not automatically saved. He sent His Son to die for you. You're not automatically saved. There's an if. If, if you receive Him, if you confess Him, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if, if. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. This is Mark eleven twenty two. Uh, 23, 24, 25. So, but assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Look at this. Whoever says, you've got to say something. There's an if. If you say it or if you don't. 
You've got to say it. It's not wait for me to move the mountain. He says for you, whoever says this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea, you're speaking with your own mouth. There's an if there. Or you can just say nothing. And if you think the mountain's going to just miraculously jump into the sea, you've got another thing coming. It's an if. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and that you will have them. Don't wait till you have them, then believe it. You believe it that you have received it before you've ever received it. Believe that you've received it and then you'll have them. See, if you wait till you have them, then believe it. Any complete idiot with no faith whatsoever at all can do that. That's like saying, I believe I have a bottle of water. Look at that. It's a miracle. Look at my strong faith. No, you believe you have it before you have it. You believe God, I'm healed. I know I don't look like it. I know I don't feel like it, but I'm healed. And what I look like and what I feel like is eventually going to catch up to what I'm speaking. That's what the Word tells us. I'm not making it up. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them that your Father in heaven may also forgive you of your sins. If you have anything, forgive them. Once again, that's a choice. You don't have to forgive them. It's a choice. If you do or if you don't. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. You forgive. If you do, you're forgiven. If you don't, you're not. It's a choice. He didn't forgive me. My prayers weren't answered. Well, when you went in prayer right here, did you, were you in unforgiveness? Did you have hate in your heart? It's an if. An if. An if. That'll hinder your prayers. That's why God put it there. That's why Jesus added it right here where he, he chose to put it. It's just not accidentally there. Amen. So let's go quickly. Um, Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say this mountain move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. And this is Jesus talking to the disciples just in another book of the Bible. But he's still talking about that uh, moving that same mountain. But he, he says, if you have faith and if you say, if, if you do, if you do. And people don't think it's important what comes out of your mouth. That you can just say what you want. That you can just speak curses and death and negativity over your family or your business or your life, but expect life and health and prosperity. Well, I didn't really mean what I was saying. You're going to be held accountable for every idle word you speak. It's important what you say. You can't say this, but expect that. You should expect what you say. And in Proverbs 18 and 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue has power. James tells us about your tongue. Setting fires, steering ships, a horse being bridled. There's power in your tongue and there right there is the key to life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, Good fruit comes from a good tree. Bad fruit comes from a bad tree. What kind of fruit is coming from your tree? What are you speaking? Because out of the mouth, you know where those words are coming from? From the abundance of the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Is the mouth speaking good or is the mouth speaking evil? Is it speaking blessings or cursings? So that's important what you put into you because what you put into you will come out of you. 
Amen? This cannot be the only word you get all week. It's going to help you, but this can't be the only word you get all week. You, you need to read your word at home. A couple of scriptures a day, a couple of chapters a day, as much as you can get into you, the more you put into you, the better. I suggest at least a chapter. And if you've never really read your Bible, start Matthew, read the Revelation. Go back to Matthew, read the Revelation. Go back to Matthew, read the Revelation. After you read it about three good times, then I start in the Old Testament. And that Old Testament's going to make a lot more sense to you. Because Jesus is revealed in the old and he's, I mean, he's concealed in the old and revealed in the new. And you'll start to see him on the pages of the old and it'll excite you. In fact, it's so exciting. I mean, it gives you goosebumps and chills. All, it, it, it'll pump you up. And people are like, that's crazy. You get excited about reading the Bible. Boy, it will. When you're communicating and talking to the, to the God of this world, it's, it's pretty exciting. But death and life are right there on your tongue. So it is important what you speak. We back up to what we were talking about, speaking to the mountain. Why do we speak to the mountain? Because death and life are in the power of your tongue. Speak to it. Speak to it. Amen. Um, Jesus said this in chapter 8, John 8. He says, Those Jews who believed in Him, if you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. Notice there, if... If, if you do, you're my disciples indeed. What if you don't? Well, you're not. The if is on you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If, if you abide in my word. If, praise the Lord. He says in John 14, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name that I will do, the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If. If. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Why don't we keep my commandments? Because we love you. And if you do, you'll keep them. And I will pray the Father... And He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever, which is the Holy Spirit. Amen. So there's a kid. He's having uh, seizures. And the disciples tried to cast out the, 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 the demon out of him and um, they, they didn't have any success. So the, Jesus comes on the scene and He says to the Father, how long has this been happening to him? And He said from childhood. And often he has thrown him into uh, the fire and into the water to destroy him. Who has? The demon. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Notice the man told Jesus, if you can do anything. If you can. And Jesus says, if you can. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, what's possible? All things. All things are possible for who? You, me. If. It's a big old if, isn't it? If God feels like it, if it's his will, well, he's sovereign. You never know what he's going to do in this situation. He may heal him, he may let him die. Never know what his will is. Never know what his part, part of his plan, part of his purpose. Oh, Lord Jesus, so ridiculous. Just so ridiculous. That's not a good God. And God's good. We're, giving, we're, we're people give God the credit for the work of Satan, plain and simple. They're not on the same team. 
Satan's the bad tree. Good comes from the good tree. Bad comes from the bad tree. Malachi, the third uh, chapter, 10th verse. I'm going to help you too right here. Most people know the New Testament, and if you don't, it's pretty easy because it's small. But where in the world is Malachi? Well, go to Matthew, first book of the New Testament. Hook a left. There's Malachi right there. Matthew, hook a left. And for people that's laughing, I'm going to make you look up Habakkuk in a minute. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And he says, try me now on this. The only place in the Bible you'll see where God says, try me, test me. He says to the Lord of hosts, if you will not open up the windows of heaven, I mean, if, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you blessings, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I love this part right here. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You see this? Open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessings that can't be contained, rebuke the devourer, and it all hinges around this. If, if you bring the tithes and offerings in, if you do, I'm going to open up windows of heaven, I'm going to pour out blessings you can't contain, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. That means your stuff's going to last longer. Your stuff's going to last longer. If you do, but if you don't, should you expect windows of heaven to be opened up, blessings pouring out, and God rebuking the devourer? Well, no, because the scripture plainly says, you do it, and I'll do it. Test me. See if I won't. If you do, then I will. If you don't, then I won't. It's a big if. In Proverbs, the fourth chapter, 20th verse, Love, love, love this portion of Scripture. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. That's a choice. If you do or if you don't. Give attention to my words. Open that ear. Do not let them depart from your eyes, but you can. Keep them in the midst of your heart, but you don't have to. For these words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. One translation says medicine to your body, health to your flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of the it spring the issues of life, which we just talked about a moment ago, how important it is what you put in your heart because that's what's coming out of it. But do you see here all these things we've gone over right here in this passage? Give attention to my words, incline your ears. All these are ifs, ifs. For they are lives to those who find them health to their flesh. If you find them, but if you don't look in the Word and you don't read it and you don't apply it to your life and you don't stand on it, do you think you're going to find it? Well, no, you've got to search for it. You've got to look for it. You've got to read it. You've got to apply it. Amen. It's an if and the if's on us, not on Him. One of the most popular portions of Scripture in the entirety of the Bible. There's bumper stickers, it's on magnets, it's, on, it's everywhere. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's good thoughts I've got for you. They're not thoughts of evil. Not thoughts of evil. Not of evil. My plan's not evil. But my plan's good. Peace, a hope, a future. Praise the Lord. He says, then you'll call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And, I, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Once again, it's an if. 
If you do, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you don't seek me, you're not going to find me. And when you do seek him, search for him with all of your heart. Don't stick your big toe in the pool and say, ooh, that's cold. You got to jump in that bad boy head first. And I'm talking about seeking God with all your heart. The most popular portion of the scripture is just the, 20, just the 11th verse. God's got a plan. Yeah, He got a future and hope for me. I don't know what it is. I'm just going to sit back and I'm not going to call upon Him. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to seek Him and I'm not going to search for Him. But He's got a plan. You see how silly? You can't just pull out scriptures and you got you read the whole thing preceding and following. It's an if. It's up to you. You can find this plan and purpose if. If, 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 if. Deuteronomy 4, chapter 29th verse. I'm hurrying. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and find Him if you seek Him with all your heart and all your soul. If. If you do. If you don't. If. And... Um, I believe there were so many I didn't, uh, you know, I had to weed, kind of pick some, but uh, I believe it's Matthew chapter 18 says, if two agree on earth and believe that it shall be done, if you do, if you do, and if two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst, if, if you do. So just think he's just there in the midst. No, the word says you got to obey the word and apply the word. Amen. Um. Let's see here. Let's go to Second Chronicles. If you're, let me help you. Go to Psalms. Cut your Bible right in half. Take your Bible, cut it in half. If you cut it in half, you're going to be in Psalms. If you're a little left, you'll be in Job, or you can call it Job. Maybe you need a job. If you're a little to the right, it's Proverbs. But but Psalms is pretty much right in the middle. So open it up to Psalms, right there in the middle. Hook you left. You'll come to. Two or three books, Job and Esther, um, Nehemiah, something like that perhaps, Ezra. Anyway, those are small books. They're hard to find. So if you just go to Psalms, take your time. Don't go too fast. Then boom, the first good-sized book of the Bible, Second Chronicles. Send your Bible hook to the left. I'm just trying to help you. I think it's important to read from the real word. Uh, hold it in your hand and look at it to know your Bible. He went out and met Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. It's an if. Same thing applies to us. If we seek him, guess what? You're going to find him because he's not playing hide and go seek. He wants you to find him. But if you forsake him, it's all on us. It's an if. If you do or if you don't. It just depends on what kind of results you want. Amen. My brethren, James chapter 1, second verse. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let 
uh, not the man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see here, if every scripture we're reading, it's, it's, it's on you. If you lack wisdom, if you ask in faith, if you're not doubting, um, if, if, if. Praise the Lord, 22nd verse, skip down 22nd. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So you hear the word, you're putting the word in you. Now, you have a choice. You can either be a doer or just a hearer. And if you're only a hearer and you're not a doer, you're deceiving yourselves. If you hear and if you do. Church, come on. We're talking about seeking the Lord this year. We got to be hearers and doers. We got to be hearers and doers. There's no if. We're going to do. We're going to do it. Praise the Lord. It's quiet this morning. And it's only 11.30. Y'all, we got time. Chill out. Now we're about done. We're about done. We're close. So, we're real close. Super close. So, talking about repentance and prayer. And uh, there we go. And things changing. Things changing. You can have a protection that other people don't have in your life. When you seek the Lord and you stand on this word, you can have protection that other people don't have. A person that doesn't believe the word that doesn't apply the Word, perhaps they don't even believe in God, or maybe they believe in God, but they don't believe the Word, don't believe all the Word, kind of confused, whatever it is. Lots of different situations and scenarios. But a person who believes this Word stands in faith. I believe every word on every page, even right here where it says genuine leather right here. Believe it all. Believe Jonah got swallowed by a whale. Believe it all. And I'm standing on the Word. I'm believing the Word. I'm a hearer and I'm a doer. There is protection that is available to you that's not just available to everybody else. In Job, the first chapter, in the 10th verse, have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and all around that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land, which tells us, there is protection available to you. There is a hedge of protection that's available to you. If. 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 If you stay awake in church. Well, you'll have a better chance to get to heaven. I guarantee it. If you do. If you do, I must just have one of those voices. I don't know, put y'all to sleep. Boy, I'm, I need to make one of them little, little cassettes people can play or CDs and put you to sleep at night. You won't even have to take any sleeping pills anymore. Just listen to me. <laughs> Probably make millions. This is on the screen, but we're going to read it real quick and then we're out of here, okay? 91st Psalm. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What in the world does that mean? Dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Seeking the Lord. He who seeks the Lord. He who seeks the kingdom. Who dwells there in this Word. Puts it in front of your eyes. Puts it in your ears. Doesn't let it depart. Guard your heart with all diligence. 
He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. It's your dwelling place. It's not a place you just visit when you're in the nine-line bind. It's a place you dwell. It's a place you stay. Amen. I'm not sure what a nine-line bind is, but it sounds bad. <laughs> now let's read this. Here's what happens when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Of the Most High. <laughs> of the Almighty. He says, I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous of the pestilence. From the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Love it. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. They're not even going to let you stump your toe. You shall tread upon the lion on the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Oh, Jesus has put them under our feet. Amen. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. If. 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 Well, we've got choices. You know what if is? It's a choice. It's a choice. And what choice will you make? Today, tomorrow, this week, the rest of the year, the rest of your life. What's it going to be? If you seek me, seek first my kingdom, all these other things will be added unto you. And you know what? I will withhold no good thing from you. If. If. I know what my answer is. I want to serve him. I want to seek him. I want everything He's got available for me. I want everything that cross provided for me. I want healing. I want health. I want prosperity. I want peace. I want joy. I want happiness. And I want it all for you as well. But I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. It's, it's an if. 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 Amen. I kept you a little long today. The Lord had a lot to say. I'll be honest with you, I could preach for at least three more hours easy. I might just need another bottle of water. I'm just now getting wound up, crunk up. But somebody's got a pot roast in the crock pot. I don't want them, you get home and have a big old pot of beef jerky. <clears throat> so I'm going to let you go. Did you get anything out of it? I hope you did. It's not a message of condemnation like... It's just something to think about, to get your wheels turning. If, and to, to take an evaluation or an inventory of yourself and your life and your thoughts and what you're speaking and what you're letting in and what's going out and where you're spending your time. And if, if, 
if. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you scrape that stuff off your eye, you'll be able to sleep, see clearly. And sometimes we need a new lens at the way we look at God and look at the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, your promises that are true. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for loving us. And Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you for the choices you've given us all through Scripture. And this morning we choose to serve you, to follow you, to seek you, to pray to you, to repent, to be the man, to be the women that you've called us to be, to fulfill the plan and purpose that you have in our lives. We just thank you for it, praise you for it, give you all the glory, we give you all the honor. We have an attitude of gratitude. We're just thankful this morning, Father. Thankful. Thankful. We're leaving out better than we came in. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Go enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll see you Wednesday night.